This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, hey church, my name is Christy and I'm one of the pastors here. And I don't know about you, but my family and I, we've been playing a lot of games in quarantine. Um, we love to play games together. It just kind of passes the time. And my favorite kind of game to play is just a quick game, like a game you know we don't have to think too much about. I love Skippo. I love Phase 10, just kind of fun. But my family is a little bit different than me. They love to play what I call nerd games. (laughs) These are games that Joel will give the girls an instruction book a week in advance that they have to read. Um, It takes maybe three pages of instructions to take one turn and they go on, they'll play these games and save their progress and play them from week to week. Um, And it's just, I got to be honest with you, it's It's not my kind of game. They love it, but I don't. I'm like, let's just put on some tunes. Let's have some snacks. Let's have some good conversation and laughs. And let's wrap this game up in 45 minutes. And I think it's similar for me with life. I love the short game. I love moving from one thing to the next without any hiccups, without any complications, without any setbacks. But God... God actually loves the long game. He does his best work in the long game. And isn't it interesting that we can look at setbacks with impatience and fear, but God has very different feelings about setbacks. So this week I looked up, I googled the top five setbacks that people face in life. Um, The first one was loss of reputation. Maybe you made a mistake and it cost you the trust of others. Second one is a loss of job. Um, I know a lot of you are going through this right now with the pandemic. The third one is challenges with team dynamics. Man, those relational uh, things can just be so tough sometimes. The fourth one was lack of motivation. I know shelter in place has done a number on me with this one. It's so hard going from wearing sweatpants every day to wanting to put real clothes on again. Um, And number five is just curveballs, those unexpected things that just seem to come out of nowhere and wreck your plans. Maybe your setbacks are different than these. Maybe you're concerned about the future of your kids or financial instability, or maybe you're concerned about just failing in general. And we are so afraid of experiencing setbacks that we can just avoid them like the plague. But ironically, the most scary thing is not experiencing setbacks. The most scary thing is allowing setbacks to hold you back from the life that God has for you. And your biggest need in life isn't avoiding setbacks. Your biggest need our greatest danger in life, the most scary thing in the whole world, is that you and I would never step beyond our setbacks into the life that God has for us. So today we are wrapping up our series and it's called Look Up. And we've been looking at the life of Gideon. And Gideon is the story, Israel was being oppressed um, by a group called the Midianites. They were being brutalized by them. And God told Gideon that he was going to rescue Israel through Gideon. 
But the problem is that Gideon is terrified. He is scared. And we saw in previous weeks in our series that, you know, he's insisting on these signs and these fleeces. And those things only seem to reinforce his doubt. But God wants to use him anyways to bring the victory. God has plans for him to be a mighty warrior. And today we're going to look at some of those setbacks that Gideon faced. And we're going to see how God brought the victory through him. So right now in this story, Gideon has gathered about 30,000 troops and he is preparing to go to battle. And this is where we are jumping in the story today. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Judges chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 2 and it says this. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they save themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid, timid or afraid may leave, this morning, or may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. And I'm sure at this point, Gideon is just like shaking in his boots. He is terrified to go into this battle with 30,000. So can you imagine how he feels seeing 22,000 of his troops walk away? But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. Okay, 300. Um, 300. Like, God, you expect us to go up against this huge army with just 300 men. And I'm sure at this point, Gideon is just in full-blown panic attack mode. I mean, you talk about setbacks. Setback number one, who's afraid? Okay, 22,000 of you, see ya. Setback number two, who drinks weird? Pick them. And he goes from 10,000 people to 300 because they drank with their hands. And Gideon has a choice before him. Do I continue to live in fear or, or do I step into the life that God has for me? Do I build my future in fear or do I build my future in the life that God has for me? And we all have this choice before us today. And the beautiful thing about God is that he wants us to choose life and he's going to do everything in his power to help us make that choice. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night, the Lord said, get up, go down to the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your ser servant Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon gets up 
and he sneaks down to this huge enemy camp. And this enemy camp is so big that it fills the entire valley. And wow, Gideon's like, I am outnumbered here. But as he leans in, he overhears the soldiers talking about these nightmares that they're having and how scared they are and how they all have this gut feeling that God is going to give this battle to Gideon because God is on Gideon's side. And when Gideon saw God at work, when he saw God doing the heavy lifting behind the scenes, he bowed low and he worshiped God. And I love this because God knew exactly how to encourage Gideon. God gave him what he need to go, needed to go from, I'm afraid, to I'm eager. And God was already there in that situation playing mind games with the enemy. He was unsettling them with nightmares and he was convincing them that this battle was a lost cause. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, get up. For the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too, all around the entire camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the, um, the blazing torches in their left hands and their horns in their right hands. And they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places far away as Beth Sheda near Zerera and to the border of these other places I don't know. So Gideon's victory is incredible. All the odds appear to be stacked against him, but God has other plans. And today I want to point out three lessons that we can learn from the life of Gideon. And the first lesson is this, that setbacks are a signal that God is about to show up. You know, so often God calls us into this life that he has for us, but it requires us letting go of what we're currently holding. And then there's like this season of waiting before we can receive the new that God has for us. And God is saying, okay, Gideon, I'm gonna give you the victory, but you have to let go of this. Now let go of this. And when it finally gets to the point where Gideon feels like he is on the verge of failure, God says, okay, now you're ready to receive the victory. You know, you guys are probably like so sick of talking about COVID. I know I'm sick of talking about COVID, but this is kind of exactly what we're all going through right now. The world has turned upside down. And for many of you, you've experienced um, losses of jobs, business, dreams, income, um, loved ones. And it just feels like life is one setback after another. This is exactly the season of life I find myself in right now too. 
at the beginning of 2019, I felt God say to me, I have new beginnings, new favor, new wonder for you, and I want you to step into it. And so, you know, what did we do? Joel and I, we sold everything that we had set back. We um, walked away from the life that we built set back. We got here to Petaluma ready to rock and roll. Uh, and then COVID hit, setback, and then we couldn't meet in person, setback. And we have just been in this holding pattern for the last year, and it feels like there's just no way out of this. And I keep telling myself, God plays the long game. God plays the long game. So we surrender, and we surrender some more. And I know that God is there, that He is preparing our future for us, and He is preparing us for our future. And I guess what I, I want you to know today is that this is just normal. This is how God works. Do not let setbacks become the filter that you see life through. At our weakest moment, God steps in and he writes a better story. I'm curious how many of you are experiencing this in your life right now. If that's you, do me a favor and just say, it's me in the chat. It's me. And it's so difficult because we look around and we can see other people at different points on their journey. And then we look at ourselves and we're just like, what? It looks like they have it all together. And like, I'm sure Gideon felt this way. You know, he's looking at this valley full of the enemy army. And then he looks at his guys and he's got like 300 of them. And he's like, this is not normal. And God says, don't make your enemies bigger than they actually are. Because you undermine me and you undermine yourself. And this was something that our early church, one of our early church leaders, uh, Paul, wrote about. And he experienced this when he was being attacked by the enemy. In 2 Corinthians 12, 18, he says, Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So when setbacks happen, Jesus actually becomes clearer because there is like no way that you and I could ever get through any of these setbacks on our own. And your greatest victories are going to come as you surrender, as you trust, as you allow God to remove what he needs to do to make room for the new that he wants to give you. And we will get to the other side. We will experience breakthrough. And we will say, wow, God, look at what you did. I think it's kind of like giving birth, like having a baby, like you go through all this struggle, all of this work, all of this intense pain, and then you hold that baby in your arms and it's like everything just vanishes. Like I remember after our girls were born and I told Joel, I, I, I was holding our brand new daughter and I'm like, wow, babe, like let's do it again. And he's like, do you remember 30 minutes ago when you sounded like a dying cat? Um, and it's the same way with God. He brings us through. He gave Gideon the victory with only 300 men. And I'm sure after that battle, God or Gideon was like, wow, God, let's do it again. 
And I guess the second thing that I want you to know about the story of Gideon is that God wants to give you what you need to turn your I'm afraid into I'm eager. I love how God knew that Gideon was terrified. And I love how he says, hey, listen to what the Midianites are saying. Go down there and you'll be greatly encouraged and you're going to be eager to attack. God didn't scold Gideon. He didn't use shame to motivate him. God knew exactly what he needed to move from I'm terrified to I'm eager. And he wants to do the same thing for you and I today. So years ago, we took our girls to this place in Malibu called Paradise Cove. And they were really young then. Um, and Indy, our oldest, had never really had seafood before, um, especially calamari. And so we had ordered some to our table and she saw people kind of eating it all around her. That didn't motivate her to, to eat it. We were sitting at this cute table in the sand in front of the ocean. Um, that didn't motivate her to eat it. <laughs> the waitress brought out the tray of dipping sauces. That didn't motivate her to eat it. There was only one thing that motivated her to eat that calamari. Take a look. Okay, here we are for Mother's Day. Hey everybody, and Indy has got a little squid here. And I said I will give her $10 if she eats the whole thing. So here she goes. calamari was her dad paying her 10 bucks to eat it. He knew exactly what she needed to motivate her to go from I'm afraid to pass the ketchup. And it's the same way when we connect with God. When we connect with God, he changes our perspective. And that's what the life of faith is all about. When we connect with God, we see what the world can't. When we connect with God, 
We see hope when others see despair. We see a future when others see failure. We see a better life when others see darkness. It's through our setbacks that God allows us to see things that we could never imagine on our own. And if you are having difficulty moving from I'm scared to I'm eager, go to him. Ask for the vision, ask for the power, ask for the encouragement because he loves to give it to you. And you might be thinking, well, you know, that might work for other people, but God can never use someone like me. I've made too many mistakes. God doesn't talk to me like that, or I don't have that kind of relationship with him. And my question for you today is, when did you become blind to the fact or the possibility that God wants to have that kind of relationship with you? God wants to use you, and that's why he put Gideon's story in the scriptures, because he wants you to know that if God can use Gideon, God can use me. And Gideon, he's just an average guy. There's nothing like extraordinary about him. And that's exactly why God picked him. It was to encourage you today. And if God can take Gideon and lead him to victory, God can certainly use me. You know, when we lived in Canada, we had to get through the long winter somehow. And so our family, we took up cross-country skiing. And, you know, growing up in California, I had gone downhill skiing a couple times a year, you know, a few different times. And, um, but I learned how to do cross-country skiing in Canada. The first time I did it, I was really nervous. But I actually think cross-country skiing is a lot like living the life of faith. You see, there's these tracks that are dug into the snow and you put your skis in them and you kind of start at the top of a hill and um, you, all you do is you put your skis in the, those tracks and your skis never come out. Like there's no snow plow, there's no brakes. You just kind of bend your knees, lean forward and you just go wherever that track takes you and you pick up speed you go faster and faster you make these turns you don't know where you're going but you are flying through this winter wonderland mystery and seeing things that you never imagined before and that's what following jesus is like you step into that track your body's not working at all. You're just stepped into that track that has been prepared for you and it's gonna take you where you need to go. And it's the same with God. We rest in him knowing that before the foundations of the world, he created you for this purpose. It's not about your ability. It's about your willingness to step into the relationship with him and let him do the heavy lifting. Lean into him and you allow him to take you all the way to the other side. Because let's be real, whether we have Jesus or not, we're going to go through the wilderness. So we might as well go through the wilderness on skis. And God is here and he's saying, I love you. I want to use you to bring victory, to turn bitterness into forgiveness, to turn despair into hope, to turn anger into love, and to de turn depression for joy for you and for others. And God used Gideon to free himself and others from the oppression and lead them into the victory. And God wants to use you to do the same thing for others. You know, Jesus spoke these words about himself in Luke chapter four, and 
when we look at Jesus, he's our model for life. So if he does it, we do it. That's what it means to follow Jesus. If it was part of Jesus's mission, it's part of ours. And this was a beautiful proclamation he made. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And that was Jesus's mission then, and it's our mission today still. If God can use Gideon, he can use you. And this is what he wants to do in and through you. He wants to bring the good news of Jesus so that others um, who are far from God can be brought close to God and experience freedom. For those who think that there's no way out, that you could bring the goodness, the vision of heaven and announce that God's kingdom is here. There's a way forward. God says, if you face setbacks, I am bigger than any setback in your way. If you lack courage, come to me and I'm gonna make you eager for the future. If you lack confidence, God says, I believe in you because I created you for this purpose. And if you're here today and you want this kind of relationship with Jesus, I just want you to know that he loves you, that he wants a relationship with you, that it's not about being good enough, that he loves you in spite of your mistakes, but he doesn't wanna leave you there in that place. And, you know, we will all stand before God one day and we will give an account of our lives. And Jesus is the one who has stepped in on our behalf. He lived this perfect life. And he says, hey, put her sin, put her mistakes, put her punishment on me and give my perfect sinless life to her. And he took our sins and he paid that price for us by dying on the cross. And now he is offering himself to you today. He's offering you a life of hope a life of light and victory and it's a free gift and all you have to do is believe and accept Jesus's gift for you and if you want to step into that life today um, I would love to pray for you this morning so just pray with me wherever you are at home right now Jesus I, I want this kind of relationship with you I accept and believe that you are there that you are willing to help me and I want to enter into this life of faith, Father. And so would you show me how to walk with you? Would you teach me how to live the life that you're calling me into, God? In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.